Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works flagship show. And uh, this time, I will be welcoming or rather hosting BFW's Cherry Son. And I'm really excited that he's here. This is the first time we're doing this podcast together as a duo. Get used to it because hopefully we'll have a lot of pods together in the future. Teddy, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. In Korea? Thanks for having me. I'm doing yeah, I'm doing yeah. great. Uh, it's yeah. uh, it's a pleasure, or rather, you know, it feels different to have someone else from Asia, someone who's ahead of me on the time zones, as in you're ahead of me on time. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I usually talk with these geezers from the USA, you know, Tom and Chuck and whatnot. So it's usually me having horrendous a horrendous time trying to, you know, stay awake at like 11 or 12 a.m. or maybe even later in the day just to stay up for a pod. So this time is the other way around. I'm sorry I'm making you wait up late, but I hope you're having a good day. Tell me how it's yeah, it yeah. yeah, honestly, it's totally fine because um, I was going to stay up to watch the Women's Euro final, which is in two hours anyway. So, yeah, this isn't a problem at all. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a game that everyone's eyes will be on and we will discuss that towards the end of the pod. But first, a very important topic to discuss the recent Super Cup victory that was splendid. What are your thoughts on it? And in general, what, how do you think Nagelsmann and the team fared? Um, I think the first half was pretty much as good as it can, is, could get. Um, I think the players really adapted well to a potentially unorthodox formation. Um, I don't think that the absence of Robert Lewandowski or a classic striker in general had any impact on our goal scoring. As, as we all know, we scored three goals. As for the second half, I think it left a lot to be desired. Because, well, we did seem to lose a little bit of focus, maybe around the hour mark um, when we conceded that first goal. And it definitely was a game of two halves. I think um, there's definitely stuff that we can build on and there's definitely also stuff we can change. And, well, I would say it's not... It's not the perfect start to the season, but it's definitely a good start. And the team did show a lot of promise, especially in in the first half. Um, I have to admit, I was a bit worried about how we would fare against a a decent team um, after our friendly defeat to Man City a couple of days ago. But other, but I think the team performed above expectations other than that slight mishap in the second half. And um, I'm not going to get too carried away with this victory because it is just one game and it's more or less a glorified friendly, as a lot of people say. But also, I think we can be optimistic about a lot of things we saw. Yeah, well, uh, Teddy, you must understand that it is very hard for me to take in anything that you say along the lines of optimism because you're not very well known for your optimism, are you? So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty refreshing to hear this take from you. And uh, yeah, I would agree that uh, the team showed a lot of positives. And like you mentioned, uh, now it's pretty convenient to use the terms uh, glorified friendly. <laughs> but before the game, you were pretty nervous and anxious because you said it's a trophy on the line and whatnot. So <laughs> I suppose it's the way you see it. I still think it's Nagelsmann's first trophy this season. It's something to celebrate. And frankly, a lot of people were expecting us to have a very hard time against Leipzig. But the way we dominated in the first half, that was absolute thorough domination. That was like 
Barcelona 8-2 level domination. That was just fantastic. And we didn't give them a single chance to score, not even a single clear-cut opportunity. And we were just superb without pressing. I felt like that was some of the best pressing we've seen under Nagelsmann in a very long time. And uh, everything sort of clicked. The attack was super fluid. The midfield was functioning very well. A huge part of that was to Marcel Zabitzer, who had a very solid game. And the defense, uh, obviously, Luca Hernandez and Upamecano had a very, very good first half. And uh, Alfonso Davies, he had a pretty okay game as per his usual standards because we expect him to bombard, you know, back and forth between attack and defense. He was somewhat shaky when coming back to defend. Sometimes he let the attackers get past him a bit too easily because he tends to leave a lot of spaces at the back when he goes up, uh, you know, ventures, ventures further ahead. But overall, the defense was pretty good. I, I mean, obviously, Benjamin Pavard, uh, he scored a goal, but he did also give them a penalty to sort of cancel that. But overall, I would say it was a very solid effort in the first half. The second half did bring up quite a lot of concerns. And you did point out that it wasn't the very best of games, but it was a pretty decent start, you know, and it exceeded your expectations. Well, true. But firstly, were your expectations high in the first place? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You do tend to call Nagelsmann a bum every now and then, don't you? Well, I will say that my expectations weren't that high going into the game because, again, the, we didn't really have that much of a preseason and we did look a bit shaky against Man City last week. But I I will admit I was pleasantly surprised by the first half. Um and like you mentioned, I was pretty nervous at first because there was a trophy on the line. And no matter what trophy it is, be it Super Cup, the Bundesliga, Pokal Champions League, whatever, a trophy always feels nice to win. And so I was nervous, but I was also hopeful, I guess, that we would get, you know, we would start the season on, on the right foot. And thankfully we did. We put in a good performance. I'm not going to say it was perfect because it was far from it. But overall, I think my expectations were, um, thankfully, I, I guess they were wrong. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, it, it seems like the team really uh, messed up my expect my low expectations in the first half because of the way they performed. But in the second half, they really got my nerves shaking again, especially with the two late goals that they scored uh, in Kunku's penalty and Dani Olmo's um, goal in, I think it was the 89th minute or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think whatever happened in the second half was definitely something that pretty much matched my expectations of yeah. how Nagelsmann's teams tend to kind of be shaky late on in, in games, which I think definitely is an area to work on. I feel like but, Bayern yeah. somehow managed to make it a spectacle. Like they had to kind of dominate, but then in the second half, they made it go very close. Like what you would expect from a match as hyped up as this one, you know, with a lot of fans watching. So I would say that they gave the neutral fans well worth their money, the money that they paid to see the game. But for mm -hmm. Bayern fans, obviously, it was somewhat of a roller coaster in the second half. And we had a, our hearts in our mouths for a significant part of the second half, especially after they went three goals up. And uh, we saw that it was just a one goal deficit for them. And they could well catch up in dying minutes. But thankfully, Lurizane sealed the game in spectacular fashion. 
So that being said, uh, I think a lot of positives from some players today, some players shone very brightly, none more than Jamal Muziala, who is just rising beyond any level we have ever imagined as Bayern fans. And I feel like there is no limit for him. Some people say the sky is the limit, but this guy defines how tall the sky is every single game he plays. So, I mean, so what do you think of Jamal Muziala and are there any other players who you would give shout-outs for in this performance? Like, who do you think impressed you a lot this game? Well, I did say a lot in the newsroom yesterday during the game that Musiala was definitely the standout performer, and I don't think I needed to mention it at all. Everyone was raving about his abilities and his performance, and I think they were well justified in doing so. Um, I have been very impressed by Musiala, and having watched a lot of players, a lot of young players kind of crash and burn after a couple of good games, I I will admit my expectations were not extremely high for Musiala at first when um, he first made his debut under Hansi Flick. But the thing about Musiala that really amazes me is that, like you said, he really does seem to put in a good performance every single game that he's on the pitch. Even when he's maybe not having his best game, he still shows signs of his flair, his talent that can get aspiring fans and neutral fans in general as well, something to be excited about. And yesterday, I think it was one of his best performances in a Bayern shirt, if not the best performance. Um, it's definitely up there with the uh, Champions League game against Lazio, I think it was two seasons ago. Um, and of course, the away game against Eintracht Frankfurt yes, uh, last season. Some, of, some games where he really did shine. Uh, the game against Wolfsburg two seasons ago comes to mind when he scored two goals. But yeah, this was definitely up there in one of his best ever performances for Bayern, and hopefully that's the start of many more. Um, and I think whatever he did yesterday was enough to justify a starting spot for him on the left or right wing, whichever he prefers. Um, obviously, I don't think he's going to get too much time in attacking midfield with the presence of Thomas Müller, but he does seem to have... Um, really proved, proven that he deserves a starting spot ahead of the likes of Leroy Zane or even Serge Gnabry, for that matter. As I've mentioned before, uh, I think Jamal Muziel, and I think Chuck Smith definitely agrees with this. Chuck, if you're listening, uh, I'm sure you're probably nodding your head up and down. It's just Jamal Muziel deserves to be a starting winger for Bayern Munich in every single game, and I think he is, honestly, Bayern's best winger. And it's very hard to sort of argue with that because he delivers every game and I've not seen someone as consistent and as you know solid with his performances you know over a stretch of games as Jamal Muziela has been since Franck Ribéry possibly or even but Arjen Robin was a bit more streaky I think Franck Ribéry was very 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 solid throughout his career at Bayern Munich he very seldom had like dirt poor games usually his Games were set to a certain standard that he met every single game. And I see that dribbling ability, that innate sense of, you know, uh, direction, vision, and the way he just sort of figures out where players will be two or three seconds, you know, in the future and just weighs those passes and just brilliantly just supplies those balls. And not just that, the way he gets past cramped defenses, it's just something that... 
reminds me of Franck Ribéry, and I feel like he's a mix of Ribéry and Müller in many ways, and also some other players like uh, Ricardo Kaká, for example. So I feel like the way he, you know, treats the wing position is a little bit different to how, for example, Kingsley Coman, Dioriszane sees them, but I feel like him being a devastating, you know, or rather uh, a winger to devastating effect for us game after game sort of proves that he needs, he deserves more starts. And I think this could well be a breakthrough season for him, at least if Nagelsmann is willing to give him more minutes. Because I know you keep saying this every now and then, and I'm sure nobody's a stranger to this anymore. Leroy Zane has not been very good lately. And yes, the, the recent game against Leipzig, he was very good towards the dying minutes of the game. He did score a brilliant goal. But that being said, uh, consistency is not something he has at the moment. And overall, I would say he has quite a lot of facets that he lacks to his game that Jamal Muziela offers right now. So on form, I would definitely pick Muziela in a champagne 11. But at the same time, we have to be careful because he's a developing player and we can't burden him with a lot of minutes. So it has to be very carefully weighed. And I think Nagelsmann can do that because he sees the potential in Muziala. So maybe make him start some big games, but rest him and make sure you rotate with the other wingers. Because I also feel like Muziala has become better with his physical fitness. Like you saw in the game, his upper body, as uh, Russ mentioned uh, the other time, uh, his upper body looked way stronger overall. And uh, he looked to have put on, put on some weight. And that was a you know, pretty good thing to see because... Obviously, Bayern Munich's fitness team is doing wonders with all the all the players. <clears throat> Matas delete, <clears throat> you know, next in line. Hopefully, you know, they need to re- reduce all that baby fat. But that being said, yeah, Jamal Muziala. So, do you also agree that he sort of has to start for Bayern this season? If um, I think. I think you're definitely right in that he needs to manage his minutes. And I think that can be said for every player because of the World Cup and all of the English weeks and midweek games and everything that's coming up this season. But I also agree with another thing that you said, which is the fact that he really does seem to be Bayern's best winger at the moment. Um, yes, the numbers of Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry might be better than his, but then again, we're comparing pretty much fully developed players to a player who's literally just broken out of his shell just, uh, I think, two seasons ago. And whatever happens to Usiala, I really hope that he gets the time, gets the game time he deserves. I think Nagelsmann really does value his talent, as does every other player. Um, and it's just... It's just hard because I don't think we've had that exciting of a youngster since Alfonso Davies broke out onto the scene. And we all know how that ended up. So um, if if not, I'm sorry, Musiala is going to be the breakout star like Davies once was. And I think he needs a lot of nurturing as well. He does have the talent, he does have the skill set, and he does have the potential. So... I'm really hoping that this season he can play a bit more consistently. And one thing I will mention as well is that this season, I hope he can perform in just a more fixed position than he did last season, because 
when you go back to last season, he was basically playing everywhere in midfield. He was playing as a winger. He was playing as an attacking midfielder. He was playing as a central, even sometimes a defensive midfielder, mostly due to injuries. But hopefully the signings that we've made this summer will bolster the squad enough so that we don't have to keep pushing Musiala into positions that he may not be as comfortable in as maybe a winger or an attacking midfield position. Yeah. So I completely agree. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. So I hopefully think... whatever happens, I'm just hoping Nagelsmann can use him the way we want him to use yeah. him. And maybe that could differ from person to person, but I think we all want to see Musiala on the way. Cause like yeah. you said, as of now, he is our best winger. That is spot on. And one more thing to add there is, uh, you did mention him playing in different positions last season. I kind of think that him having a defensive role in midfield, or rather uh, even performing as an attacking midfielder in some games, all those different roles, sort of also helped him to get him to this position like that he finds him, uh, finds him in uh, today, because finds himself in today, rather, because he was way more assured defensively this game. He looked so good. And whenever he lost the ball, he tried to get it back, and he did win quite a few balls back. And the way he carried the ball forward with such intent and purpose, I feel like it has molded him to a much more complete winger. And there, this is even more reason to start him more often on the wings because this means that he can gain valuable minutes that will help him develop into a really good winger. And Nagelsmann, like Teddy said, if you've been paying attention to the two of us, this also means that you should start, you know, playing players in their favorite positions. And that includes not playing Zabitzer as a left back anymore. So please stop doing that. My eyes and my ears bleed when I see and hear that happen. Honestly, just play the players in their best position. We have the depth this season. Like we have depth in almost all positions. So I don't see why except if we have like crippling injuries with both the starters and the reserves. And I really hope that doesn't happen. There is no need to start plays out of position. I think Zabitzer can make that midfield role his if he continues playing like this. There's also Gavin Birch, who's a brilliant player. So a lot of competition and a lot of spots. Hopefully this is a start of something new. A team where we have a cohesive unit made of players who play in their best positions. So that's what I Absolutely. hope it stands out to be. Yeah. And now, mm-hmm. any other positives in terms of like the players, any good showings from the game? Any players who stood out? Um, I think, uh, other than Musiala, I think Thomas Müller was really good as per usual. Um, he didn't get an assist or a goal, if I remember correctly, but he was pretty much pulling all the strings in attack in the attack and sometimes in the field as well. He played a crucial role in. Um, three out of the four out of the first four goals we scored if I remember correctly and you could see that when he went off early in the second half for reasons unknown I was kind of surprised to see him depart after just 68-70 minutes on the clock Um, you could see that Muller's presence really does kind of nail Bayern down and nail their discipline down when he went off I think the team started kind of falling apart and it pretty much coincided with Leipzig's uh, too little, too late comeback attempt. Um, so I definitely hope that uh, Nagelsmann realizes this and utilizes Muller to 
his to the best of his strengths. Now I know, of course, his minutes must also be managed because he's on the wrong side of 30 and everything like that. But still, Miller is a very important, if not the most important part of the current Bayern squad. Um, as for other players, uh, you mentioned Marcel Zabitzer. He was also pretty impressive, which is encouraging to see, considering he rarely did have a good performance last season, which was unfortunate. Ouch. Ouch. And uh, and also, yeah, just the fact that he does seem very comfortable in the role he played yes- yesterday and in the preseason game that he's played so far, I th- really think he can fight for that uh, starting spot alongside Leon Goretzka and and Ryan Gravenberg. And if he does end up joining us, Conrad Leimer. So, yeah, I do think that Zabitzer picking up his form is encouraging for us. Um, I don't think any player was particularly horrible because we did win after all. Um, Benji Pavar obviously gave away a silly penalty, but he did score a goal. So I guess that kind of cancels things out. Um, Leroy Zane scored a brilliant goal, but was seen missing a couple of passes after he came on, maybe a bit, maybe a little bit rusty just because he came off the bench. Manuel Neuer didn't have the best game, but, and, you know, he's still the world's best goalkeeper. So hopefully this was just a, just an off day for him. And I don't think any of the goals were particularly his fault. So, yeah. Other than that, I think everyone did have a pretty decent game. Um, even outside of Muller and Zabitzer. Uh, so, yeah, it's very encouraging to see that even with the truncated preseason we had, the players really do start to seem coming back into their element, and hopefully we can see a lot more of that this season. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I really hope, like you mentioned, that uh, all these players, they start to peak or start to mesh together at the right time because... We know how important it is for all the players to show up during the business end of the season. So I agree with you that none of the players, I believe, had a very horrendous game per se. And uh, shout-outs to Luca Hernandez, Sadio Mane, Teo Tupamecano, and also Lior Zane for that goal. And uh, possibly, not Manuel Neuer, I think Neuer is one of the disappointments yesterday. I know that he is usually brilliant for Bayern and he is so reliable between the sticks that we usually forget to even address him during games. But this time it was kind of uncharacteristic because there were two goals he could have prevented. And one of them, the Forsberg goal, sorry, was it Forsberg? It was Olmo, right? Towards the end. Yeah. The Olmo goal yeah. towards the end. It was towards the near post and it just came from a very tight angle. And I feel like if he could have stretched his leg a bit earlier or dived uh, he might have saved it, but then again, I have never been a goalkeeper in my entire life, so I have no idea how hard it is in such situations. So I'm just saying that usually we have certain expectations from our captain, and maybe he wasn't at par with those this game, but at the same time, he has bailed us on so many occasions that in a Super Cup game that we just won by two goals, and in a game where most of the players performed admirably, I think we can let him off the hook, but hopefully... This doesn't become a recurring theme this season. And I don't think it will because he's usually super solid and dependable. And now, uh, yeah, we can move on to our next topic, which is how you think Bayern is going to line up the season under Nagelsmann and what you think of the 4-2-2-2 formation that we saw today. Like, what are your initial thoughts? And how do you think Nagelsmann might line up the season? And how would you like to see them line up the season? 
Too many questions. Um, I think the 4222 was, yeah, I think the 4222 formation wasn't bad because the thing is, we can't just use the usual 4231 because of our lack of a classic striker, apart from Matisse Tell, but then again, he's, 17, he's only 17. So um, we do need a change of system, maybe as a lot of people have been saying, kind of to spread out the burden of goal scoring across the attack. And we saw what looked like a 4-2-2-2 against DC United in our first preseason friendly. And what we saw wasn't all that bad. And granted, it was against DC United, so I didn't really pay too much attention to it. But in the first half of this game, uh, we did seem to line up in a back four, not the back three that a lot of websites mentioned. And um, in the first half, as we all saw, it worked brilliantly. True, Leipzig maybe were uncharacteristically poor, but still, I think, um, you know, that's probably because we made them so poor. Our pressing was on was really good. Um, our attacks were fluid. Um, just judging from the fact that we scored three goals only in the first half, um, Sadio Mane and Serge Gnabry looked pretty comfortable in their positions as did Jamal Musiala and Thomas Müller. So overall, I think in terms of attack, the formation isn't too bad. And I think things really started going south in the second half when the substitutions were made. And, and maybe it was also some sort of mentality thing because, you know, you're three goals up, you can get a little complacent. I'm not saying you should, but... We're all human. It happens from time to time. Um, but overall, I think the formation is definitely a step in the right direction. It's a promising option to have in the back pocket. And I think it's definitely a step up from the 3-5-2 or whatever it was we saw against Man City last weekend. So, yeah, I do think that whatever happens, our best bet is to go for a back four, whether that be with twin strikers or just one striker in Sadio Mane. Um, I think a 4-2-2-2 is definitely a viable option. Will it be our best option against teams like Liverpool, Man City, Real Madrid in the Champions League? I don't know because, well, I mean, as good as Leipzig are, with all due respect to them, you know, teams like um, the Champions League finalists are just different calibers, right? So Nagelsmann may need to rethink his tactics a little bit because, well, you know, you obviously need different tactics for different levels of teams. But I think, I've, you know, as I've said before, the 4-2-2-2 definitely is a good option. And it's promising that we have such a solid option going forward. And we're not just kind of floundering around with different formations at the start of the season. That's what I think. Yeah. And I would like to take this opportunity to remind everyone that I called this lineup in the previous episode of the flagship show. And I would like you all to listen to it once again and see how many things I actually call in that show. And I actually do this all the time, including Goretzka's injury, which I somehow called beforehand. And a couple of other things like the formation that Nagelsmann's going to use and, a, and probably the math detail transfer as well. So honestly, it's just, it's it feels good to be validated by Bayern's manager. And at the same time, I would like to say that with formations, it's never really one thing's right and the other thing's wrong. 
it's about perspective. So whatever fits at one point of time, whatever a manager can make work with a set of players and whatever can make a team function to the best of its abilities would be the most suitable formation at that point in time. And right now, it is a period of experimentation for Nagelsmann. And yes, we would all love for him to stick to a 4-2-3-1. But sometimes it is good to figure things out towards the beginning of the season. In preseason games, during cup games like these that are not very consequential to the rest of the season and in the starting four or five games of the season so that we don't have to tinker during the business end of the season and risk losing in big games. That being said, I think the 4-2-2-2 is a super viable option, especially because it gives us our favorite back four, as always. It gives us the dual pivot in midfield. It also gets the best out of the attackers. This group of Bayern attackers is a very fluid sort of, you know, attackers. This group is like very, 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 uh, you can say, uh, good at interchanging positions with, you know, different areas, very good at exploiting half spaces, very, very good with positioning and with making runs. And all our wingers are very comfortable as playing, you know, as attacking midfielders as well. So you have Gnabry, who's already functioned as an attacking midfielder at Hoffenheim sometimes. Leo Izani, who plays as a half-space attacking midfielder, including his stint at Bayern last season. Thomas Müller, who is an attacking midfielder by trade. Jamal Muziala, who has been long tutored to be Thomas Müller's successor, who is also very comfortable as an attacking midfielder. So we have all these wingers who can also play in, you know, roles that are not as wide. And these roles exploit half-spaces. So you see, we have a pattern where the players can interchange their positions. They can dominate half spaces. And these are the things that are important from a tactical perspective. We mentioned last season repeatedly that Nagelsmann created overloads in the attack and that caused congestions. Well, here's your solution. You have players who can both drift to the wings when they have space there to exploit. And the same players can drift inside to sort of get at the, get at the ends of scoring chances. So... It's the best of both worlds, and we have the personnel to implement it. And at the very top of the attack, we have Sadio Mane, who's super good at runs behind the defense. He has made a career at Liverpool with his devastating runs and with the way he sort of exploits these situations. And so, yeah, I believe that uh, the fluidity that this lineup affords, both in attack... And the stability that we get from it down the midfield and the defense. Yes, it is a bit narrow at times. And yes, it can create congestions in midfield. But the bonuses that it gives in terms of players interchanging, teams cannot expect how we might react to certain situations because we can create a numerical advantage anywhere on the pitch. And because we stick to the four-man defense, I believe that this is a very viable option for Nagelsmann. He can alternate between a 4-2-2-2 and a 4-2-3-1. I think that'll also be nice since we now have Matty Tell in the fray as well. And I would like to see how he performs as a striker in the coming games. But overall, this is what I'd like to see from the team in general. So do you have any thoughts on that before we proceed to the next topic? Yeah, and just to wrap up, I think um, whatever we showed with the back four. The one, I will say the one thing I really did like about yesterday's back four was that it wasn't this sort of hybrid back three, back four, whatever it was, three, four, two, one, four, two, three, one that we saw last season under Nagelsmann. And 
not gonna lie, although it did work pretty well in the Hinrunde, it really the wheels kind of came off into Rokunde. And with the absence of a proper striker, I don't think that's really a viable option anymore. Um, true, it could be used from time to time, maybe in certain games against certain opponents, but what I really liked was that the back four remained a back four. It wasn't like a hybrid. It wasn't like changing every second. It was fluid, but it was also fixed. You could see what kind of formation we were playing, like we did under maybe the likes of Hansi Flick or Yupankis. And as you know, considering I respect the hell out of those two coaches, I think we all do. I think, you know, taking a leaf out of their books and introducing a sturdy base and building up from there is the best thing that Nagelsmann can possibly do. And, you know, maybe, hopefully he'll stick to that route and maybe we'll see what happens then. Awesome. Yeah, I kind of echo with everything you just said there. And it's really refreshing. I actually thought we'd had quite a lot of disagreements in the pod, but I feel like we have had quite a lot of, you know, common opinions. So I guess in's the only odd one out. It's fine. <laughs> Maybe he can catch up to us eventually. Moving on, uh, there's one last topic to discuss, and that is the women's Euros. Obviously, it is the Mannschaft facing the English national football team at the Wembley Stadium. So... I can't, can't be more excited. This German side has shown so much promise. Alexandra Pop has been absolutely invincible, you know, throughout the Euros run. And she has literally changed games to her will. She has imposed her willpower and her strength and her determination on the opposition. And she has basically carried Germany to another Euros finals, which is super exciting. And the rest of the team looks super sharp as well. And they're a coherent pressing unit. And obviously, England are no slouches either. This is going to be one heck of a duel. And I think the neutral football fan is the winner in this case. So what do you think is going to happen? What are your expectations from the German national team? And what is your prediction for the final scoreline? Um, I will say this. The German national team has more than exceeded my expectations because... So we had the lack of Leah Schuller and Clara Brühl, both Bayern players coincidentally due to COVID. But still, despite all those, despite all those obstacles, they still fought tooth and nail and they made it to the final and they've played some pretty good football. I mean, I obviously I because of the less than ideal times, most games were at 4 a.m. here here in South Korea. So I didn't get to see any of the games apart from the semifinal against France, but they did play some really attractive football. They pressed, they fought, they were determined. It really reminded me a lot. I think I mentioned this in my observations piece. It really reminded me a lot of the way Hansi Flick's men's German team play. And I think that's just, it's just heartwarming to see players fight that hard. And it's just good to see a, uh, a solid system revolving around the determination and the heart of the players. So I'm really hoping that we get to see more of that in this final. Um, I know that the, I know that the ladies are really fired up for this. Um, this is Germany's first ever major final since the 2017 Confederations cup. And 
as we all know, it was a pretty dark period of German football in the last four years. And I think what the women have done is really, is really just encouraging and just a way of telling the German football fans that everything's going to be all right. You still have a good team to cheer on and coupled with the new renaissance of the men's team, I think it's just really great to see as a German, as a Germany fan. My expectations for this game, it's definitely going to be hard. England are at home. Wembley's, I, I don't know if it's going to be sold out, but I heard it might be. And they're going to have their home fans behind them no matter what. Um, Germany are going to be outnumbered 10 to 1. And of course, England have been showing a very, very good side in this tournament as well. Um, just from the way in their last game, they dismantled Sweden. I'm sorry, I almost said Switzerland, Sweden, 4-0. And so that makes me a little nervous, but I'm also very excited. I know no matter what happens, I know the ladies will put up a good fight. Um, if I had to give a score prediction for the game, I will... Okay, my head and my mind, my head and my heart say two different things. My my head says it's probably going to be an England win just because of the home advantage and because, you know, Germany still has um, still has players missing because of COVID. But my heart still says that Germany will pull this off and win 2-1. So hopefully that's what happens. I'm not going to bet anything on it, but I really, really hope that Germany does end up winning this trophy because a weekend when Germany and Bayern win a trophy at the same time. It's just going to be magical, isn't it? 100%. And I also think that this German team has so much passion. It's like they really, really want that trophy. And they're putting their hearts and minds into every single game. I see that the players are getting fatigued because of all the effort. But at the same time, they have that drive, that sheer motivation to just, you know, sort of strangle their opponents and win the games. And we saw that against France. France did get chances, but they were very few and far in between. It was just Germany, wave after wave after wave. And, you know, it was so refreshing to see so many Bayern players perform so well for the team. And I remember just pumping my fists up in the air and just 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 enjoying the game because it was it's such a moment to savor and if they win the finals and that also means that there's a there's the onus is on the men's football team to do something special at the Qatar World Cup and it might well be one of the best years for German football if these if if our Frauen manage to win the Euros and our men go ahead to you know win or possibly even go deep into the competition in the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. So here's to hoping that that happens. And I think we've covered all bases today. Thank you so much, Sadi. It was a pleasure, you know, having to uh, talk about different things, different topics. Pleasure's all mine. Very interesting you. conversation. Yeah. And definitely a more refreshing sort of take on different subjects as opposed to, you know, older people like Tom and Chuck. I know, Tom, you're pretty young, but Teddy's younger. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and obviously, uh, the other people involved. So yeah, I think we should do this more often. Thank you for joining me. And before we before we sign off, I want to remind all the people listening, especially the Bayern fans, that you guys have a very important job to do. Every single one of you. It is a duty. It is a moral responsibility for you to go on the World Soccer Talk Best Club Podcast Awards voting 
and vote for Bavarian Football Works because we are in the lead right now, but we do not even want to entertain the possibility of capitulating to a Spurs podcast because that'll be even more painful than the Bayern loss to Villarreal. I mean, honestly, it would be the most painful thing in a very long time. So please make sure that doesn't happen. Go on the website and vote for us. Make sure you keep us on the lead. And I'm sure that those of you who have really enjoyed our podcast, those of you who think that we're churning out some great content, you will do that for us. You will show us your support and your love. So thank you so much once again for joining in and listening. We really encourage the support and the show of appreciation. Please like, share, rate, subscribe, and do whatever you can to support us on whatever podcasting platform you tune into us with, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anything else that you use. There might be a bajillion ones out there. And for all the aliens who are listening in some different podcast that I'm not aware about, please make sure you're sending us your love and support from outer space. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to leave your comments on the article. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen.